the ending. Do you love it or do you hate it? I mean, the best part of the end is that you get to see what happens in the story, right? All this time, you've been invested in following what's been happening. All the ups and downs, twists and turns, surprises and shocks, and unforgettable moments. And now, you finally get to see how it all turns out. There's something satisfying about that for sure. After all the buildup, all the anticipation. But you also might dread it because, well, the ending means it's over. The ending means there's nothing left. No more battles, no more conflicts, no more struggles to watch them overcome, and no more victories to watch them celebrate. Everything you love about the adventure finally wrapped up for another year. But if life tempts you to always yearn for what was, take some advice from the ones you're here to see. Competitors who just live in the moment, only focusing on what's right in front of them. Knowing all the while, that's the best way, the only way to get where they ultimately want to go. Victory Lane on this final day of the season. So embrace what's arrived at last. Celebrate the pinnacle of everything you've been through. And don't worry about tomorrow anyhow. Because when you live in the moment like these fellas, today is always the best day of the year. Hey everybody, welcome to NASCAR America. Championship week, championship edition. Let's go with that. Uh, what a fun weekend this past weekend was. We're back with the show. Obviously, this show is about the fans. There should be plenty to talk about today. Call in, bring us your comments. Uh, we're gonna put the number on on the screen. Be sure to call. We love them. There you go. Eight four four six two seven two two seven six. Kyle Larson, obviously, just an incredible job this weekend. Uh, so much fun to watch. Really, how competitive it was, in my opinion. All four drivers had a chance to win, and all four drivers at one point felt like they could win that championship. I feel like the race cycled. At one point, everybody had a chance, as you mentioned. Um, and then there was kind of that moment that we knew was going to happen, and, and the five team took it, quite frankly, right? They came in fourth of the championship four guys. Uh, we can talk about good cars, bad cars, short runs, long runs, but all of those are just details in the story. The real story is um, motorsports is all about performance. Sports is all about human performance. I love the race cars, Nate. I spent an entire lifetime working on them. But humans make this sport go, and in the end, five human beings jumped over the wall, changed four tires faster than the other three teams, went from fourth to first, and then we all knew if you give Kyle Larson the lead, that's a bad thing with about 25 laps to go. Right. He, he led the final 28 laps, Steve, because he is a world-class elite driver. And, of course, that is the story of the 2021 season and, like, how insanely talented this guy is. He had a season for the ages. But to your point, he takes the lead because of his team. I mean, Kyle Larson, he won the championship, but he was given the opportunity to win the championship by his team. He didn't enter into that opportunity if not for his pit crew. He said it you know, on air multiple times with us that if the pit crew doesn't hit that money stop and change four tires in 11.8 seconds, seconds, and if he doesn't get the number one pit stall a day earlier by winning the pole position, he doesn't win the championship. Well, drivers talk about it all the time, about how this is a team sport. And I think on Sunday, we saw it all play out on the biggest stage, how important everybody is on the team. It takes everybody to win championships and win, and win races. But let's do this. Let's just go straight in uh, to Kyle Larson and listen to what he had to say about the race. cannot believe it. Um, I didn't even think I'd be racing a cup car a year and a half ago. And uh, to win a championship is crazy. 
I just, I gotta say, first off, thank you so much to Rick Hendrick, HendrickCars.com, Jeff Gordon, NASCAR, every single one of my supporters in the stands, watching at home, my family, I've got so many of my friends and family here, my parents, my sister, my wife and kids, Owen had been giving me crap you know, a month and a half ago about how I can't win a cup race when he's there. Uh, so that added a lot of pressure, but there were so many points of this race where I did not think that we were going to win. And without my pit crew on that last stop, we would not be standing right here. So they are the true winners of this race. They are true champions. I'm just blessed to be a part of this group. Every single man or person, man and woman at Hendrick Motorsports, this win is for all of us and, and every one of you. So this is unbelievable. I, I, I'm speechless. Uh, so much fun to see that enthusiasm and excitement. Great burnout. He almost oh. <laughs> made a lap. That was his goal. He ended up blowing the tires out. But let's do this. Let's let's go back and really look at how Kyle Larson got here. Because you, you said it, Steve. It took a team effort. Let's go back and revisit what happened to him and how he got into this position to win this race. Yeah, 312 laps. And there was going to be a lot of flips when it comes to the, you know, different control of the race. Who was controlling it. But the turning point for me was really... About halfway through the race, you know, Chase Elliott had control of it. Uh, he had just passed the five car, and that's when uh, it kind of all swapped. I think we have a piece here to kind of show how it all went down with the 19. Here it is. So right here, you go right here, Larson has control of the race, right? But then the nine, he's going to pass him. And at this point, I'm thinking this is what Chase Elliott needs, right? We're inside the last fuel run. Everything's going good. We know green flag pit stops are going to happen. The 19 of Martin Truex Jr. comes to pit road earlier than anyone expects but while on pit road anthony alfredo big impact with the outside wall causing the yellow to come out then it's a race off pit road the 19 right there is scored you wait about three or four more cars you're going to see the leader of the race the 19 of chase elliott somehow truex does a nice job staying on the lead lap that turns out to be very important because then he'll assume the lead nate when we come to the next restart you have pit stops this seems silly but the 11 being the 9 off pit road is a huge situation because then that cycles the 9 back another row. Look at that. The two Hendrick cars are in the third row, Jeff. They're not even in the front four cars. Well, that's exactly right. So th this, this momentum shift was huge because you took the two cars that were slowest on a short run and you gave them track, pos track position. You got them in front of those guys. And then you heard Cliff Daniel say, I just saw a rotor explode. There's debris. Boom. Caution comes out, and now it's a reset. Now it's an opportunity. Who's going to have an opportunity to win this race? Who's going to have the right pit stop? Yeah, the 19 and the 11 still had control of the race until they came to pit road right here. 11.8 seconds for the 5 of Larson. Most important is look right here. It looks like the 11 beats him. The 5 has scored the leader because of that number one pit stop that he earned on Friday in qualifying. And they only had to go about 10 yards, about 30, 35 feet. Um, and that was the whole real key. At that point, it was a great restart. Truex actually, Denny did not get the best restart. Truex held on close. But as you mentioned, Larson closed it out. I guess none of us were surprised no, that he was able no. to keep the lead. And, I mean, that pit stop, I mean, Denny Hamlin's team was celebrating nearly as much as Kyle Larson's team because their pit stop was 12.1 seconds. I mean, they thought you know, he came in in second, went out in second, but they thought when they saw Truex have his problems come in as the leader – that they were going to exit with Denny Hamlin in the lead for the first time during the race. He didn't lead a lap during this race. And, and if Denny Hamlin would have been the pole setter, he, it, well, it would have been the leader of the race. I asked Denny Hamlin about that uh, after the race last night, and he said that, you know, because he said on Thursday they weren't going to put any emphasis on qualifying. And they didn't do a mock run. They didn't really worry about it because the, the four pit stall selections for the championship four contenders were going to be separate from the rest of the field. But it, they were still going to be in order of how you qualified. And so there was a lot of talk all week about, well, we're going to de-emphasize qualifying a little bit because we saw last year Chase Elliott can come from the back. We're not so much worried about, you know, if we have to start far back in the field. We know we're going to be okay on pit selection. We're going to get a, a good stall because we've got one of the first four picks. But, I mean, to your point, Steve, Kyle Larson effectively won this race to some degree on Saturday by winning the pole position and getting that number one pit stall because if he doesn't have it, if Denny Hamlin or Martin Truex Jr. or Chase Elliott has that stall, I don't know if Kyle Larson wins this race, right? Well, and Larson won the pole in Larson fashion by about 18 <laughs> one hundred. So I mean, almost two-tenths of a second. It was a monster lap. But 
you know, it all goes in. There's a lot of layers to this story. We know going in, it was going to be a fight. We heard the crew chiefs all week long, drivers all week long. They all use the analogy. Oh, it's going to be a, uh, you know, street fight. It's going to be a big heavyweight battle, and it, and it really was. And uh, it did not disappoint. I, I'll be honest. I didn't really care which one of the four won it. I think they all put a performance in that I could have felt really good about any of them being a champion. But in the end. Uh, the cyclist of the guy that's won 10 races. So, you know, five of which in the playoffs. It's been an impressive run. Well, listen, I, I think we have to talk about Kyle Larson. And, and you know, I, I may not spoke earlier. And, you know, Steve, you know, I was a little turned off by Kyle Larson several years ago because I didn't really think that he cared so much about this series. And I think with his suspension, I think he gained the perspective of how important and how special this is. And I don't care... If you race in North America, the NASCAR Cup Series is the most important racing period. That is the pinnacle of racing in North America. And I don't think Kyle always felt like that. But after the suspension, I think that he 100% does. And you could see it this year, how important these races were to him, what it meant to him. You could see it post-race. I could see it in his eyes when we did that Mario Andretti tribute to him. Prior to the race, that guy was so appreciative and he's so humble. He that meant something to him. It gave me goosebumps watching his reaction to the nice things that Mario Andretti said about him. And I said it during the broadcast, and I'll say it again tonight. And surprisingly, I've not got any heat for this, but you can make an argument that he is the best driver in the world. Who and who else can do what he's done, winning all those races that he's won all around the country? It is actually around the world. It is amazing. Look at this, Steve. Look at some of these races. Well, I can tell you right now, it would have been way easier to build a graphic of what he didn't win because he won them all, right? Start at the top, NASCAR, you got them all. World of Art Lowers, that's it. There's not another big one missing. Uh, you go down to USAC, I, I mean, the two big ones I know of, he's won. And, Nate, what I think is impressive for Larson is, is the bandwidth. You know, Rick Hendrick, Jeff Gordon allow him to go drive all these different cars, but it's his bandwidth of success that I think is most impressive to me. Yeah. Whether it's a dirt late model to a World of Outlaw to a NASCAR vehicle, if he wins all that dirt stuff and can't get it done on Sundays, he's another dirt racer that couldn't get it done in a stock car. If he's a stock car guy that couldn't win in the dirt, but he literally is winning across uh, the entire platform of motorsport. Well, it's funny, when I look at that graphic, I, I feel like there are some missing, you know, where's the Millbridge... Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Sprint car, you know, where's the go-kart, you know, go, go yeah. for yeah. motorplex win that he won? Like, yeah. like, nobody cares about but him. And so I wonder, the immense, immense amount of respect for him, is it because that he's so good in everything he races? Or is it he wants to be so good in every possible thing, no matter what it is? I think it's maybe a combination of both, right? Well, I, I think that's it. For me, personally, it's that I, and it's what turned Jeff off, and it's what I actually appreciate now is that I think he works the hardest at the cup level because he knows that's where, his, that's where he's paid to drive and that's where his commitment is. But don't discount his work to do the rest, right? Like, like, and I think it wasn't, I don't know if it just wasn't explained well by him or maybe we just didn't get to see it or his perspective has changed. But what I appreciate is there was no doubt he came to Phoenix as prepared as he could have been, right? There no distractions around him. But... When he gets a chance to go drive whatever's next in January, summer, if he goes to Austria, whatever he goes and does, he's all in there, too. And he's all in whether we're watching or not. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that the three of us are watching. He doesn't care that the three of us are going to talk about it. It doesn't matter. I mean, he wants to win in whatever he gets in. And and I think that's it, is is he's just a racer. And in today's world of corporate America required to go racing, um, and I don't think we can be lost on that, that. Rick Hendricks given a lot of people a lot of great steps in their careers, me being one of them. Um, and he believed in Kyle Larson enough to give him a job. But on that fire suit, it says HendrickCars.com. It's more than just a job. He's financed this entire car. He's put his companies on this car. And he has given Kyle Larson the ability to showcase his talent to the fan base. I don't, I don't think that can be discounted. Yeah, I, I'm just so impressed with him. I, I just, what's not to like, right? Yeah. So uh, we said this, fan, this show is about the fans. So let's start it off with you, Marvin. How you guys doing tonight? We're great. Great. First of all, guys, great job with the coverage all season long. I'm going to miss you guys during the off season. It's going to be sad not hearing you guys uh, uh, this year. But I want to get to your guys' uh, point with the champion, Kyle Larson. 
And my question to you is, now that he's got his first championship under his belt, do you guys think that he is a preseason favorite to uh, repeat and bring home another championship for Rick Hendrick? Uh, well, the short answer is yes, and the counter is um, so wasn't Kevin Harvick, who went 0-4. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and Marvin, I don't mean to be – that's a great question. Of course, the defending champ should always be the preseason favorite unless he's changed organizations or something that we don't know how to vote in on. It's a brand-new car. Will Hendrick adapt? Will Larson adapt? I don't know. Um, I actually have cons- – I no longer talk championship anymore. I talk Final Four drivers because I believe that if you earn yourself into that championship four, then we'll figure it out in Phoenix. Uh, but, yeah, he's one of the favorites to make the championship for. I mean, it's, it's a great question, Marvin. We appreciate all of your phone calls all year long. Yes. But, I, I mean, ordinarily I'd say yes, like without thought. But next year I'd say I don't know. I mean, how can anybody say they're the favorite when we have this culture shock that's going to hit the cup garage next year? Not just a new car, but a, a new way to race it, a new way to build it, a new way for teams to be managed. I don't think we can sit here on November 8th, 2021 and say we know what the 2022 season is going to look like when we would be able to do that in any other year, maybe before this one, going back to 1948. Uh, This is just such a dramatic sea change for NASCAR. What we do know, though, is the most versatile driver in the series is Kyle Larson. And with this new car and all the unknowns, I think that plays into his favor. And I just can't believe that Hendrick Motorsports isn't going to be at the tip of the spear as far as having good race cars. So I think Kyle Larson is the odds-on favorite. Yeah, I think, matter of fact, I think it's sure how close it is. I think by far he's the favorite. But there are some unknowns like the new car. Uh, Trevor, come on and join us. Yes, sir. How are you doing, Jeff? Steve? great. Nate, you guys are almost swore. I forgot what I was on TV, man. You guys are awesome. I love watching you guys (laughs) listening to um your broadcast and everything um the five car is the old 48 after everything that happened last year do you guys see like another jimmy johnson run going on here where this team just lights on fire like they did you know in the early 2000s uh so i'm going to jump in and say jimmy johnson doesn't give enough credit for five in a row i don't think it'll ever be matched i know kyle larson's great but i don't i I don't see it there's no way um will someone win seven maybe no one is going to win five in a row. Five in a row, that, that ship has sailed. That is, a, that is a, that That will never be matched by another race car driver. I just don't believe you can be so fortunate to have good luck, great equipment, great people, you know. But what if you have the best driver in the world and a crew chief who was trained by Chad Canales, the guy who guided Jimmy all those championships? I think the best driver in the world, the best equipment in the world can't win five in a row. I think it's it's... The format, it's one race, it's so many things. I, I actually believe that one of the biggest travesties in this sport is that Jimmy Johnson wasn't pushed onto a higher pedestal for what he did for five in a row. I agree. And I was in a shop next to him trying to beat him every week, and I didn't appreciate it. But every year I get more distant from that run, the more impressed I am at what, what he was able to do. People did not give Richard Petty his due when he was doing it. People did not give peers in this other sport, yeah. did not give Dale Earnhardt credit what he was doing because you can't admit he's better. I think that's true, right? I don't want to sit, yeah. you know, I can't go to the track trying to race Jimmy Johnson and say, man, this is never going to be done again. You can't but now it. that I'm not trying to do it, I don't believe. And listen, it doesn't have to be. You know, the guy lined up, won 10 races, 10 races in the championship. I, good. I, I mean, it's a, I haven't done enough research to say it's a top five or a top eight, but it's up there for one of the best seasons ever. Yeah, let's be careful not to compare Kyle Larson to, to Jimmy Johnson or anybody else after one championship. Like, let's get three or four, and then yeah. we can start having those conversations. Let's don't, let's don't get the car before the horse. There's no question about his talent, but let's, let's, don't, go, let's don't go there until he well, gets two or three more at least. Well, and the reason I say that is because, you know, one thing that I loved about Jimmy is that today he's the same guy after championship one. Yeah. And I see those qualities in Kyle Larson, right. but, yep. but, that's right. a, but, but I don't have a crystal. I can't predict, right, what he's, who is he going to be in five years? Who's he going to be in seven? I mean, to go win seven championships, we're talking a decade of racing? So who, who is he going to be when he's near 40 years old? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Let's just let him enjoy the first one. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, you're joining the show. Hey, guys. Thank you uh, for taking my call. Um, I figured just kind of drop a comment from two positives I thought to take out this weekend. But the first, um, the level of competitiveness that we saw from all four drivers 
other teams pit road from everything from um, you know, we saw strength and weaknesses from the drivers to the cars and, and like you said, those pit stops. That was the first uh, takeaway. I, I think that was good in this format. And then second, secondly, um, just kind of a, a comment about the track of Phoenix. I, I just want to applaud them for investing in the track, and I thought it showed all, all three days this weekend. So uh, th- thank you for everything you do this season. So, so let, me, let me start. I, 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 I agree with you 100%. Phoenix has taken – this championship weekend to another level. I was I didn't want to leave Homestead, Miami. The racing there was great. I was nervous about it. Phoenix has delivered. That the the race is good. The show is awesome. When I say the show, there's a race and there's a show. The pre-race, the post-race, the weekend is the show. The race is the race. They have done a great job. I've been to Super Bowls. I've been to Final Fours. And that this past weekend and last year's championship weekend, it is that level. It really is. If you want to go to a race and fill a championship weekend, they have delivered. It's been so much fun. It's, it, they've just done a great job. Well, what struck me about Phoenix this past week, Jeff, was you mentioned Super Bowls. You mentioned, mentioned Final Fours. Uh, Phoenix, the Phoenix area has hosted those big events, and they know how to put on a big event. And when you arrived in Phoenix last week, it felt like a big NASCAR event. From the moment you set foot in the airport and you saw the signs, you saw the little skid marks and baggage claim, and then you get downtown media day on Thursday, they had like a 12-story mural of Chase Elliott on one of the downtown buildings there, like facing the convention center where media day was held. And they did a nice little ceremony at the the state capitol as well. Talked to track president Julie uh, Giese, like the, the, the community really came out and supported this and treated it like the big event it was. So, I mean, to your point, like, the, the racetrack has done a great job with just having great racing, great competition, and great atmosphere there as well. But to me, the big event feel has to go across the entire region, and we saw that last week. Real quick, Steve, the competition. So it's funny. You know, when this format first came out, uh, there was a lot of naysayers about the opportunity for someone to get lucky, someone undeserving, someone this, someone that. And when I look back at multiple years and really focus on this year, um, I said it before, it, it would have hurt for Kyle Larson not to be the champion because he won nine races. But if how about Martin Truex Jr.? I can make a great case for him. He won at Phoenix in the spring, right? Danny Hamlin's won 46 races in a career, twice in the playoffs. Chase Elliott won multiple times this year. He's a defending champ. You go back to the round of eight. Three Penske cars have all gone to victory. You know, as the playoffs expanded, I felt that the deserving teams continue to move forward. Now, that doesn't mean deserving teams were also eliminated. That's what makes great playoffs. Deserving teams have to go home. Yeah. But I don't ever felt like, like, wow, can't believe that guy got through. You know, that guy got a little lucky break. No, there was a depth of, of rundown, a depth of field that every round was very competitive. I enjoyed it. I and, mean, and really the best enjoyed four it. teams ultimately made it, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it. You could yeah. make an argument. There was probably a couple other teams I could rotate in and feel still good about the championship for, but that was a solid championship four. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It's what championship weekends are all about. Uh, there was another championship race on Saturday. The Xfinity race had an incredible oh. finish. That was a ton of fun. Daniel Hemrick, when we come back, we're going to get into that. We are in overtime, presented by Credit One Bank, as they come back to the green flag. Oh, man. Even launch. Side by side. Look at the 22 went way down the racetrack trying to side drive the 18. Right here is where Hemrick needs to find a way to get into the gas a little sooner. The 22 takes that momentum. Side drafting down the back stretch. Oh, he's going to get loose. The 18 gets a little loose, slides up the track. No contact. But it did move the, eight, the 22 up the racetrack. He wasn't able to finish the corner, so... One more Daniel, time around. Daniel's still right there. What will he do? The two fighting for the win and the championship. Through one and two. They stay side by side. Now the 18 ducks in behind. One more chance. The 22 in front. The 18. Closing the gap. And a four. They're and side by down. side. Just silenced the doubters. He's made his own history. Daniel Hemrick wins. He's the Xfinity Series champion. He's got it. 
good enough for you? I've been waiting a long damn time to do that. Thank you, Joe Gibbs, everyone at TRD, Toyota, uh, Bell Helmets, everyone here that makes this program what it is. I know I've given up a lot. People have doubted me. I, I'll, I'll do it all over again for a night like this. All over. Take us through that last lap. Your team obviously pumping you up on the radio. You knew it was, it was possible. Walk us through that last lap. <laughs> I blanked out, blacked out. Just knew I had to be the first one to the line. But this is what it's all about, winning at the second highest level in all of motorsports. <laughs> what an honor. I'm, unbelievable. I do it all over again. I'll take all the heartbreaks again to, to live this right here. And you said it in the car. You'll never have to answer that question again because you are a winner. Absolutely. That's the greatest feeling in the world. Congratulations, buddy. Yeah, thank you. There is your champion and winner, Daniel Hemrick. All right, so 10 second place finishes for Daniel Hemrick in his NASCAR Xfinity Series career until he finally breaks through on the biggest stage and gets the win. I also want to point out that Rick had been talking about this backflip. <laughs> and I said, well, we've seen Carl Edwards do it. And then the man, my man got out Hemrick, and he climbed up to the top rope. On yeah. the, he went from door top to rooftop. I thought he was just going to door so. yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking. I was worried about the backflip. Were you I, guys I, worried about the backflip? When he climbed up to it's the been roof. It's six years since he did that. And it's 50 something inches over yeah. asphalt. I'm like, man, this ain't over grass anymore. So, uh, great celebration. I want to talk about, there's a lot to cover. But I think the first thing we need to cover is the move. Um, green, white checker, restart, you know, push and shove and all this stuff goes into turn three. Without a doubt, contact with the 22, moves them up the racetrack, drives next to them, they beat and bang, they come to the line. My opinion is this is as classic NASCAR as it possibly gets. This is the bump in the run. This is not wrecking a guy. This is how racing and stock car racing has been cheered on for decades, whether it was Dale Sr. to Terry Labonte a couple times at Bristol, whether it was Jeff Gordon to Rusty Wallace, whether it was Rusty Wallace back to Jeff Gordon at Richmond. You know, we have seen contact and, and people being moved for wins forever. I have no issue at all with the move Daniel Hemrick made. It proved to me. We talk all the time, Jeff, what are you willing to do? He didn't drive in there to wreck them. He moved them and got the win. Yeah, I, listen, I have, a, I, have a, I have the same take. And I also think there's a perspective here that, that I think you have to look at it through Austin Cindric's eyes. Because to me, when he drove into three, he was driving in to get away from Daniel. And when he did, he, never, he didn't get to the bottom. Right. And so now he's up the racetrack a little bit, and that made it easier so watch right here. I mean, if we can go back and, and, and look earlier, if you watch when he drives into turn three, he's not on the bottom of the racetrack. And now he's already drifting up the racetrack. Now it doesn't take hardly any bump to move him. I don't blame, I don't blame Austin Cindric. He knew what was coming, but it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if Austin would have gotten that thing slowed down and got it on the line because now – when, when the car behind hits him, right, he hits him, he's not already up the track. And now he could have drag raced him better to the, to the start-finish so line. So Cindric opened the door he like, did. By, by making a mistake, or was he just racing clean? Well, he's got run over for the lead multiple times this yeah. year. He knew what was coming. Yeah, he knew it was coming. Yeah. So he drove in the corner trying to so – watch right here. So this, this whole last lap, you can see right here, there's, I think – First of all, I'm interrupting Harrison in the 54 right there. The, especially Harrison, they want no part of this battle at this point. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. hey, man, let these guys do that. But watch right here. So, Cindric right now, he's got some gap, and he's going to drive into three. He's got a car length. See how low Daniel is? Austin never got there. He never got to the bottom, and that made it easier to move him out yeah. of the way. Now, right. listen, right. I, I understand why he did it. It wasn't, a mis it wasn't even a mistake. Okay. Um, you know, because remember Bristol? I mean, how many times did he get moved out of the way for that win? He knew what was coming. Uh, but I agree with you. There was absolutely nothing done wrong there. It's short track racing. Nobody wrecked. If, you move, if a guy moved him out of the way for a regular win, much less a championship, no one would have questioned it. It was just good hard racing, clean racing. And the Xfinity guys delivered again. Totally. I mean, they delivered at Martinsville. 
They had a good, clean race. They had a lot on the line. They delivered there, and, and they delivered here. It's a really good year for the Xfinity Series. I have the same opinion as the non-racer on this panel, as you guys do, about the, the move being justified. I mean, clearly, Cindric had no problem with it, and that, to me, is the ultimately the only opinion that matters. I do have a little bit of a hot take, though, that I'm, I'm curious to hear. Oh, hot take. hot take. Hot take. Right, so you, you mentioned, you know, Gordon doing the bump and run on Rusty. When he did those bump and runs, he didn't really have to door the guy to get around him. Like, t- to me, that wasn't the most uh, elegant or graceful of bump and runs. Because he used him up a little bit to get to the finish line. I mean, he bumped him and then moved him up a little bit. But then he didn't quite hold it underneath him the whole way around. Is that... Is that a little less artful than what we've seen? In so other it's funny. Runs? When I watched the replay, and now it's easy to do in slow-mo the third time, I actually think Cindric could have exited higher. Okay. I actually think Cindric right here, if he would have stayed in the gas and straightened the wheel. See, I think Cindric is turning left into the 18. I wonder if Cindric would have straightened the wheel and aimed more for the wall, closer to the start-finish line, if it wouldn't have hooked up better. Uh, I'm not a race car driver. I just question, you know, I think he bumps him up, this and nice. Cindric tries to go down into his door to slow him down. I don't wonder if he gets away from him, like aims right and goes away from him up the wall if he doesn't carry more exit speed off the corner. Well, just like we talked, just like I talked about with his, with Austin's entry speed into three and not getting to the bottom, these things happen in milliseconds. Well, that's why I said, like, I mean, it's yeah. like this is me <laughs> analyzing over. after watching it <laughs> yeah. 35 times. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. I've been in that situation, and it is crazy how those things happen, and it's over before you even went. Like, like what what just happened? Like it it happens like that. And I'm sure for both of them, that's how it happened, including, you know, the move that Hemrick made. It's easy to say, hey, I made this great move. And sometimes it's, boot. wow, it worked. You know what I mean? And that's how quick it is. But what a, what a great race. Um, can you imagine being Daniel Hemrick? You've heard year after year you can't win a race. And then you win a race and a championship in the same night. I mean, that is crazy. That's just stuff you just don't hear about things well, like that. Well, and that move is a foot from back in the 22 into the fence and a foot shorter he doesn't win the race like it's a pretty calculated move to go in there I mean we watched Denny Hamlin spin Chase Elliott at Martinsville not trying to wreck him I mean Mm -hmm. if you're going to make contact it's not like there's a six foot margin right like I'm going to go in here a little bit like a scalpel walk you up and go by (laughs) you because he could have hit him harder and just shipped him up the racetrack but I think he hit him as hard as he dared to give himself a chance and I think if he would have lost he would have been okay with the move he made and I also want to tip my hat to Austin Sindrick, who could have very easily had a different interview. It was an A-plus interview. Um, congratulated Daniel Hemrick. Uh, but, hey, this is our opinion. Let's go to the phones. Uh, let's see what the callers think about this Xfinity series. You're on Motor Mouse. Hey, what's up, guys? My name's Moco. And listen, Moco, what's up, man? Well, what's going on, guys? Listen, just a few things here, okay? I'm just thinking about the characters in these guys. I'm so glad to hear y'all talk about Daniel Hemrick. But, you know, you think about him coming up from the grassroots. It's on that sign over your shoulder there, Nate. And, you know, just the way he came up through it. And then you think about the tears that were coming down Larson's eyes, right, as he wins. He's got his son in the car. And then, I'll be dad gum, you get his wife shotgun and a beer in victory lane but it was just a lot of fun guys and it was an awesome event i actually just got in from phoenix we had a little problems with the airplanes out there but we got home i was at the event and it was just awesome and loved y'all's coverage and uh hey hey uh stevie too man i'll just throw it out there you must have had your snake boots on up there on the hill because you made it back safe. But listen, enjoyed y'all's coverage all year. It's just an awesome event out there, guys. I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts. So I do agree that that the racing is great, but the personalities, and, and we'll start in the Xfinity series, right? We had a mixture of young stars and older stars. I wish AJ would have had a better shot. And then, you know, listen. I mean, you can't compete with that right now. I will say, <laughs> the winning ways really started with the shotgunning of the beer. This is my last motor mouse of the year, so I might. <laughs> <laughs> Our sport is full of personalities. Yeah. And it drives me crazy when I hear people say, well, NASCAR don't have any personalities. What? I mean, it's crazy the personalities we have. And, and, and it, the sport is absolutely full of di- completely different people. And... You know, you get those guys, you get those celebrations, and you start to see it. I, I think that it's 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 just an amazing sport with great people, and it, we have so many cool people and exciting people. And once you get to know them, man, it is it is just a, 
Really, really good so group. This might be mean, but if you want a good personality, just go Google Ben Rhodes. I was going to say, like each championship <laughs> night at Phoenix had right. So our man Ben Rhodes put on a real good performance at the podium, uh, the deserving champion in the Truck Series. He may he, not have shotgun one beer. He made one less, but it probably been a good thing. Yeah, I think Ben. Did ben, you see? Did you see the? Uh, the, 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 at one point, they went up and took the beer off, the, took it off the pedestal, put and they put up. a bottle of water. <laughs> they put a bottle of water up there for him. Drink oh. this. All right. Well, it was a full weekend of action. We're going to hear from some more drivers when we come back. NASCAR America. Yeah, Ben, maybe a water. His buddy should have <laughs> rotated the water in hydrate. earlier. Time to hydrate. Hydrate. <laughs> the donuts on the side of Austin Sindrick's car tell the story of an aggressive final lap. Austin, was that good racing? If everyone in the stands enjoyed it, it's good racing. So I'm uh, very appreciative of the opportunity to race on such a big stage. Yeah, I know my left rear bumper cover is vulnerable as ever. Obviously, Daniel was in position to, to be the advocate of that, and he certainly used it, and um, he's the champion because of it. It would have been awesome to finish this out. I felt like we had a dominant race car. I felt like we did everything right. I'm up a little short sometimes like that way unfortunately at the end of both seasonal championships this year i'm getting you know obviously moved out of the way and doored but that's hard racing that's uh that's why everyone uh, enjoys watching this series it's because uh, there's a lot on the line i just probably need to be a little bit better here as well to kind of lead us in a better better direction you know that's part of growth and then you know i thought at worst we we're going to finish fifth or sixth and then wheel was coming off on the right rear so I apologize to Austin because I think he had the race probably won, and you know I don't want to be a part of the storyline like that. I'd like to have been a better, better storyline. Congrats to Daniel. Uh, it's gonna be cool having him as my teammate next year. So for him to be uh, the champion, it looks like I got something to shoot for against him next year. So congrats to him. Uh, just disappointed. I'm not really sure what happened there on that second to last restart. I got sideways off into one, like there's oil down or something. I couldn't. Uh, I'm kind of mind blown on what happened. A lot of big adjustments. We didn't have the car nearly where we wanted it to be um, all weekend practice, qualifying. This guy right here, last race together. Um, I'm Chief Dave Ellis. Gonna miss him. Really thankful. He means the world to me. So clean air seemed to be, uh, you know, a good bit of an advantage there. Whoever got out front was good for 20, 30, 40 laps, and then you know the long run cars would start coming around. So I don't know. I mean, uh, ultimately we needed to beat them off pit road, you know, and um, it's unfortunate, but we win and lose as a team. It's three times we've been second, and that sucks. Second hurts. I'm not gonna lie. It's um, especially with the car we had and the job the guys did. But that's racing, as they say, and um, you know sometimes you're just not on the the right end of things. You know, we were just exceptional in, in the long run, uh, which wasn't too surprising. But, uh, you know, started running the 19 back down there and got within a couple car lengths. And obviously that brake off should change a lot. But things just didn't pan out, right? I mean, just we needed, needed that thing to go green those last 25 laps and uh, didn't. thought we brought a really good car and uh, it did a lot of things that we were wanting it to do today. Uh, just didn't, you know, didn't work out. And, you know, the sequence of the way all that went uh, certainly was uh, unfortunate for us. You know, we'll be back stronger next year and, and try to uh, try to give them a run. Well, that was a, a lot of the guys that were really disappointed uh, at Phoenix. They all did a great job to get to the championship four. is a great accomplishment, but clearly they all wanted to win. Uh, Chase Elliott's day, Steve. Well, listen, it's a season-long effort. That's why you see a season-long disappointment, right? You see when you, you really – or crush when it doesn't go your way. I love Chase's approach all weekend long. He says he loves the moment, loves the opportunity. And when I go back, you know, we showed that turning point. We have to remember the start of that turning point was Chase Elliott passing Kyle Larson on the racetrack with about 70-something to go. So, I, I, you know, I think sometimes the interviews are as hard as our analysis, which is what happened? I, I don't know. I mean, it was an okay day with a very good car. It just didn't fall their way. Now, I hear what you're saying, Jeff. There was a moment in time where the five took the championship, and it should be celebrated. But for a first race in a long time, I don't think anyone gave the championship up. I think the five went and took it. And I think that's why there was even more disappointment on the 11, the 19, and the 9. And that's why they couldn't give you that soundbite, Nate, that would be so easy to write. Yeah. Because what yeah. do you want them to say? Truex says... You know, I don't want to blast my pit crew, but if I would have got off pit road first, maybe I could have won. Chase Elliott, I don't know. The car did a lot of things. Like, I think they're going to have to really take a few days to analyze this one because yeah. 
If you take these same four drivers of cars, put them in a bag, shake it up, do it again tomorrow, it's very easily a different outcome. Would not have surprised me or anyone really if any of those four guys would have won. And you know, I think you know, to your point, Steve, you're right that like I don't think anybody gave it away. And I think that was maybe it was almost harder when I listened to these guys post race. Uh, Truex and Chase in particular, it was almost harder I think for them to sort of process it because. And, and Denny, too. I mean, Denny said it. Like, I, he was somewhat at peace with it because he did everything he could do. There was nothing more they could do. I, aside from each of those drivers demanding that their pit crews deliver the stop of the year uh, during that final caution, there's nothing else really the drivers of the 9, the 19, and 11 really could have done to have won the championship, right? I mean, they did everything right aside from that. It was just an interesting turn of events. Um, I, I really go back to that restart where the 9... And the five had to restart on the third row. Yep. And that really just changed the momentum. You know, we had the Penske cars in the mix, one of them because they were able to take the caution like the 19 did. But the other one right here, the 22, they just raced their way up into there. And, and right here, the, if you just watch just like one set of corners, right, the five kind of gets somewhere and the nine doesn't. And you hate to think that an entire playoff opportunity disappears, but it's right. I mean, look, he's stuck. And, and and that's it. Those la- if those two cars in front of him aren't two Penske cars, if those are the Gibbs cars, I, I think that the nine has a better chance. But it's like it's so easy where this thing kind of went away. Yeah, this the race is it's crazy. It's how little little things mean so much. And uh, you're right, Steve. But you know, they, some people find a way. And the, the five five and Larson and his team they did. And and, and credit to them. They 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 won it. They went and took it. Uh, NASCAR, you're one of the one of the callers. Uh, we have several that call in pretty much every week. Appreciate it all year long. What do you have tonight? Hey, Jeff. I uh, uh, just want to tell you it's great talking to you. This will be your last month of the year. Can't wait for next year. Always great talking to you. Um, I, I agree with everything that you guys said. I mean, that pit crew got it for Larson. I actually thought, thought that Gibbs bought the better cars. I really did. I, I really felt that they did. And I want to go to Hamlin. Now, there's no denying the talent's there. Every year you're going to expect them to be there, and that's just Hamlin. But, again, another championship for don't win it. Do you guys feel that maybe – and I want to put the Bowman crap out of there. I mean, like you said, they did everything. But is there something maybe – Would I mean, his demeanor, what do you think? Is there anything maybe he does different from – I mean, yes, the next-gen car, we have no clue. But if you're Denny, two years in a row – kind of really up there and don't get it should he maybe what would be his approach being the offseason i guess well, assessment on denny i mean i'll go you one better i mean three years in a row first of all for championship round yeah. appearances four championship round appearances overall and go back to 2010 when he was locked in that battle with jimmy johnson i mean and he was in his rookie year as well in 2006 i mean denny hamlin has raced for multiple multiple several championships and he told us this past week he's tried every approach. He's tried locking himself in his hotel room all weekend and, like, not going out. He's tried, you know, just embracing his inner Denny. Um, we certainly saw the swagger this past week where he came out swinging on media day and was no holds barred. I, I, you know, I don't know what else this guy can really do to prepare himself any better or to, or to do things differently, especially with a new car transforming NASCAR. If I was part of the support group around Denny Hamlin, friends, family, uh, agent, whoever that is that he leans on, I think what I would do is encourage Denny to be Denny and be happy you have 46 wins and you're a cup superstar. And I think that's his path to a championship. And it may never show up, um, but I don't think he can try more. I don't think he can think about it more. I don't think he can analyze it more. Um, You know, this is a guy that we see a lot of different stars. This is a guy that's not afraid to show you his Jordan sneakers, getting on his jet with his daughters, flying to go play golf with Michael. You know, he embraces being a star. We all love it, right? He's won multiple Daytona 500s. He owns a team now. I just think that if I was his support group around him, I would be encouraging him to, um, you know, it's a cliche, but man, just enjoy what you have. Let's not worry about what we don't have. Let's not worry about the win we didn't get. Let's worry about the wins we have. Um, and I'm not saying that's the answer to win another, but I think at this point it's the, it's the way to have a great career and continue to win races and not let it kind of spiral into more than it should be. I wish I, you and I had had this conversation 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, uh, I, I think that Denny Hamlin did his job this week. I think there was a lot of talk about distractions Martinsville, all of that stuff, but I think he did his job. I think the only thing 
that Denny could have done better if we go back and look at that last restart. Yeah, sure. You know, if we're, if we're really going to, to pinpoint things, and that's what we do because they're professional athletes operating at the top of their game. This restart is Denny not his did, best. Yeah, Denny yeah. did not nail this restart. Now, if Denny enters side by side with the five car, I don't think he has the car he needs, but he entered three car lengths behind. So that was not a great race restart by Denny Hamlin. He didn't give himself a shot. Uh, he came out third, but I also don't think his car was what he needed to be at that time. No, but you have to ask yourself because the 11 had that pace at the end of that run if he could have stayed closer, much like Hemrick, right? Hemrick yeah. restarted in that yeah. same position on Saturday. Um, I'm kind of the same way. I think he did his job. I think Chase did his job. Truex did his job. Like I said, I think why I felt so good about leaving Phoenix is because the team won the championship. They didn't, they didn't get fortunate that somebody else lost it. It's a little bit different take. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right, James, thanks for joining us. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? We're great. All right. Uh, first off, I want to congratulate uh, Kyle and the number five team on their championship. But I just want to ask, uh, besides uh, Phoenix, which race in the playoffs do you think was the most uh, exciting in your opinion? Ooh. Man, that's a great question. That's Best playoff call. race. I got three. Well, no, I got four right away. Let me guess. The championship <laughs> race and the three car races. I, I love um, this. I got four. Yeah, yeah. I got four. There's only there's ten of them, Nate. You got forty percent. Roval, Bristol. Hold on. Right? I was talking. I'm sorry. You got Martinsville, the Roval championship race, Bristol. So Phoenix, okay. So, so let's Roval, make this Bristol. easy. So the championship race, the cut race for the round of eight, the cut race for the round of twelve, and Bristol cut race for. The round of 16. Yeah, so, yeah. so okay. So yeah, the just, three cut races in the championship race. You're right. Hey, yeah, there's a little bit of uh, see, see, see where I'm going there? there. Um, I think you're right. Those were all four. For me, and it's continued to deliver year after year after year after year, and that's Martinsville for me. It's my favorite racetrack. I embrace the slower speeds. I do not like seeing guys spun out. I didn't like what happened to Denny Hamlin. Um, I would have been great with it if he had put tire marks down the left side of Denny Hamlin and sent him up a groove. But then, if you're going to hit a guy, I want you to know the nerves you have going into the next corner that that guy's still back there somewhere. I don't like when guys get spun around. Now, listen, Denny's done it to chase. This isn't something new. That would be the only thing that could have made that race better to me is if this move would have been a save by Hamlin back in line. All right, Bowman. Good luck. Now you have to run away from them. That's the only thing that could have made the race better. But Martinsville, in, in my mind, it goes championship race, Daytona 500, Martinsville. If you're going to attend, those three need to be on your list. I think that next year it gets better with adding Homestead into that group. I agree. Yes. Uh, I agree. Championship yes. 10 races. Um, I, listen, this, this atmosphere this past weekend at Phoenix was crazy. The atmosphere at Martinsville was crazy. Like these playoffs – you know, NASCAR put these races when they put them in the schedule for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, it, and it delivered. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they all delivered. Yeah. I mean, they are, they're turning into must-see races. I mean, we broadcast them on television. We want you to watch it on television. But let me tell you, call the ticket office now and get seats because they're going to get more difficult to get. They're just incredible races. Yeah, great listen, environments. I don't care if the bosses are watching. TV is great. Nothing matches in person. Go out and support your local track because – the sights, the sounds, it's the best. It's so fun. It's so fun. Uh, when we come back, the heartbeat of our show, we're going to take some more calls. Looking forward to it. Bring the heat. Bring the hard stuff. <laughs> we like it difficult. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Yeah, it takes nerves of steel and determination. Go on. The battles are fierce. Go home. Look at this. Uh, Let's go. Racing, some of the coolest, most exotic sports cars that you will see anywhere in the world. How can you not love sports car racing? It's a finale this weekend from Road Atlanta, Petit Lamar. It is going to be a full day of action on Saturday. It starts around noon. Coverage then switches to NBCSN around 3. Nitro Rally Cost available on Peacock. And then on Sunday, we've got a little MotoGP and some more Nitro Rally costs. So I know NASCAR is over, but a ton of racing action. I'm actually heading down uh, to Road Atlanta. Good battle between Wayne Taylor, number 10, and the Wheeling Racing, number 31, for DPI. 
Uh, there's a couple different GTDs that could win it. So uh, I'm excited to go. I, I always love sports car. I could do Rolex in the beginning of the year. Get to do Petit Le Mans in yeah. the fall. Got some NASCAR going on there, too. Jimmy Johnson will be running the, the 48 at Petit Le Mans. With uh, Chad Knauss uh, involved, I believe, in the Hendrick Motorsports camp. I think Elio Castroneves is in the race. I think there's some big names yeah, in the race. Yeah. Alexander Rossi, uh, yeah. IndyCar, Indy 500 winners in the race. And I can't get enough racing. Why not? I'm going to do it. All those big names. Yeah. Steve Latar. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I tell you one thing, though. It's a good thing Nate's here. A little breaking news during the show. You and I are not good at breaking news, so I'm going to let <laughs> Nate break this. What's the story? So, yeah, we had some breaking news right before we came on. Speedway Motorsports, which, uh, of, co- of course, owns Charlotte Motor Speedway, Bristol Motor Speedway, uh, a whole cornucopia of tracks, has acquired Dover Motorsports, <laughs> which is uh, Dover International <laughs> Speedway and Nashville Super Speedway, uh, owned by Dover Motorsports. So essentially, Speedway Motorsports, which is, of course, the company um, that uh, Marcus Smith is the chairman of, now will have control of two more cup dates next year, the cup race at Dover and the cup race at Nashville. This deal will close by the end of the year. That's awesome. I'm going to leave that low-hanging fruit of what could happen right out there for the Wednesday show. Not even going to take it from them. <laughs> the, the Nate word of the day. Cornucopia. Oh, cornucopia. cornucopia. It's the holiday season. <laughs> Chandler, you're on NASCAR Marymount's. <laughs> Whatever. Just go, We're on this Chandler. Show. Save me from cornucopia. Hey, guys. So, um, what a tremendous season it's been. I'm really going to miss this, but it won't be long. So, guys, this year has been honestly incredible with Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500, Kyle Larson putting on a tremendous season, Bubba Wallace winning Talladega. In your guys' opinion, what do you think was the best memorable moment this year in 2021? I think it was the Bristol Dirt Race. What did you, but what do you guys think? You can't have four, Nate. I'll go with one of those four. I mean, for me, it's probably post-race Bristol. It's probably Chase L.A. versus Kevin Harvick. That Bristol night race. Days. Okay. Yeah. Biggest race of the year in our series right now is Phoenix. It's the one that crowns a champion. I'll go with Phoenix. All right, and I'm a big believer in the Daytona 500. I like Michael McDowell winning this. I can assure you it wasn't going to be the Bristol Dirt Race out of my mind. <laughs> the race yeah, I didn't yeah. need this year was the Bristol. I didn't even think Bristol. I need to clarify. No, I'm not I'm not picking on Glad Chandler loved it. I didn't need it. A cornucopia of thoughts from Steve. Yeah. <laughs> You're on Motor Mouse. Jose. Oh, uh, yes, sir. So, uh, sorry about that. Oh, you're fine. You What's up, man? Yes, I had a quick question. Uh, now, that, now that we know that the Gen 6 car is over with and we're moving on to the Gen 7, um, which driver do you guys think benefited or made use of the Gen 6 most and had the best um, races in the Gen 6? And which drivers do you guys think are, is going to benefit using the Gen 7? Will it be the younger uh, drivers or the older drivers? All right, well, we've got a minute. Thanks, Jose. Quick, one driver who Man. used this one to the best of their ability. I'd say next gen, I'll go Kevin Harvick. And, you mean or, Gen I mean, six. Gen 6, I'll Old say car Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick. I, I'm not going to predict next year. No? I can't. Jimmy no. Johnson and Kyle Larson. Jimmy Johnson, he got a lot out of the Gen 6 vehicle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jimmy and Harvick, they're both fine. Uh, there's so many guys that have had a run. Yeah, I mean, how can you go against those two? The new car... Holy, do I, can, do I have to guess? I don't know. I really don't know. It's going to be That's interesting. That's what's great about it. We don't know. We really it's a crazy. Don't know. We really this don't is know. truly a real control-alt-delete moment for, like, the My last of the NASCAR. year? Your last? Your last? last? Last Motor Mouse fans, you have been awesome. Wednesday, call in. We got Marty, Kyle, and DJ. Give Kyle some hard questions. <laughs>